Mate, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Do appreciate it and bringing me to your office here in Dundonald, Sunny Dunny, for, for the week, uh, or the weekend rather. It's nice to be here. Um, but yeah, mate, like we've obviously been, been friends out for about a year or so, and I was like, met you at a mastermind that you were running. Here, which, yeah. was, which was here and it was sick. Um, so this year, I don't know, do you want to give, uh, I guess, like a background of how you kind of got to where you are a wee bit now, and then we'll kind of talk about this year because I know this year was kind of a, a big turning point in the business massively for you guys. So for people who don't know who you are you know, in the industry, like, could you give them a bit, of a bit of a background? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for running this up because I see you're doing like a little podcast tour right now and it's, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm honoured to be on it. Um, so my background was... You know, the full e-com growth agency, um, ads, email, content, um, and then I guess it was around iOS 14, the whole game slightly changed. Content became so much more important. The content and the creative, the ad creator specifically, was like the variable to the success in your, your actual ads. So, you know, luckily or whatever way you want to say it, like we had that set up pretty good with a small studio in the back of my dad's house we could roll an ad and we could have an ad concept shoot it and have it up in the same day which was great for our brands that you know we were scaling and we through that period we were able to actually scale quite quickly some of those e-com brands to the point where we were able to get you know the revenue share agreements that everyone looks for and then actually fast forward to the equity we got equity share in brands like that so but the unlock was that little content piece and what actually happened was other agencies in our networks, you know, our friends, were sending their clients sort of ad hoc to us to sort that little content piece. So very quickly, uh, across UK and Ireland, we were working with agencies to do the little content piece. They were sending their brands to us. We were building their ad creatives on the side of our e-com growth agency. And then very quickly, that actually netted more than the ads and the email itself. So. I guess it was when we met last year, I, we'd kind of just jumped with two feet in and said, you know what, we're no longer onboarding <laughs> ads or email, we're just going creative agency. Yeah. I mean, you went from what, three years of doing full stack nearly? And then basically caught a lot of clients and stuff like that, which is a bit, bit of a risk, you know, yeah. for, for doing that. But if you go into kind of going into full service, did you start out with, with, with kind of doing more kind of content or with doing Facebook ads? Because like your background is very much content. You've been in the game a while. Yeah, it was yeah. always content because that's what I did. Like I came from, like you said, my background was in video. I had an events agency. Like we ran events for, I suppose it wasn't an agency. We were an events company for the uni students and the schools. And like that did really well. All, you know, cash in hand, at the door, great crack. But the reason we were able to scale that in Belfast was because we were just taking videos of the parties, throwing them up on Snapchat, throwing them up on Facebook back then, and you know, creating pretty sick edits. Like we had, it was called Elephant Events. We had like the big elephant head on, you know, the girls at the night, the bottles, like the edits back when like transitions were super cool. And they started to blow up and then people saw those parties and then like, oh, we'll get them to do our next party. So that was content. Um, I'm sure we'll get into travel. I did a lot of travel, but I was always documenting, always had GoPros, always had that latest piece of camera tech to be able to, to document. And even way back to when I was a kid, like there's videos of me whipping out my dad's videography or video camera and just creating skateboard videos like when I was 10. So I guess it's always just been a part of it and just being able to then identify 
um, that this is where we need to go all in inside of digital marketing. That was like the, that was the unlock. Interesting. Yeah. So <clears throat> when you we'd met in October 2022, I mean, did you you still had you maybe just moved into the office here or had you moved from a different unit or something like that? And you were kind of you're able to make a lot of creatives in the house here. Like you've a lot of, I suppose, competitive advantages just from from the setup that you have here and a couple of other things. Um, but yeah, because we, we, we moved in August. Right. And it was, this was a building site, if you remember, you were here, it was a yeah. building site, like, all, other than our little space, it was like a building site, because we just needed space to shoot. Yeah, I remember going up to the office, like, closing a new brand upstairs there, and mm-hmm. there was literally just people walking past, there was no door <coughs> on the room I was in, and I was like, oh, this is, it was pretty funny, but... Um, From the yeah. dirt to the clouds, room. Yeah, <laughs> literally, man, exactly that. But, um, when, when you got into to, to content, so... How did it, when you got started in videography, you obviously did the events, you were making all this new stuff, like you were, you're probably just picking up a lot of reference experience from like different bits and bobs here and there. And then when you saw the concept of potentially running in advertising, did you just see, yeah, fuck, this fits me. Like I can do, I can do something a bit different here. And this kind of almost made for me a bit. With yeah, that. I guess it was made for us because I am like a great consumer of ad content. like going all the way back to the old like Rolex Submariner ads, like the Ogilvy stuff. Like I love the creative side of it. So whenever I learned, like, cause there used to be a time where you could just put up a graphic and it would do really well on Facebook. But now it's like, it's a little bit more avatar focused. It's a, there's more story today than it used to be, which does fit what we like to build. And whenever I saw that and it started to work and we actually started to see the results, that's when I was like, oh yeah, like this is made for us because we're all a bunch of creatives in here. You know, we were slinging media jobs on the side of building our ad agency like for years. So like local business marketing, telling their stories, all that. So whenever it was like ad creative requires variation of, you know, content, story, avatar, you know, busy mom versus like, tech entrepreneur, two completely different people, consume content completely differently, and will actually be served the different kind of content. Whenever I saw it was that niche, I was like, that's us, we can do that. Makes sense, so how did that, I mean, we talked about earlier in the gym, the team's grown a lot this year, so it, it worked well. Like how, how would you reflect on, I suppose like that, that change a bit, and like going into, going into creative a bit more? Yeah, so I actually have reflected on this in depth, so what I think is, obviously our team has grown in-house right here, like there's about 17 of us here and we have remote support as well, which takes us over just over 20 or about 20. Um, but I feel like we are the apple of creative agencies where everything's in here, everything's slick, everything's built um, with the customer end goal being the best experience and the best quality content and I feel like other creative agencies and I'm not calling out creative agencies and there's no right or wrong way the other side is like the Microsoft where it's like all open source it's like you're the client you come to me I'm in Dubai I'll go get your creator the creator that's creating for the client is the ceiling and they're kind of middlemanning it do you see what I mean where it's like yeah. Let's say that bottle of water was your product. You wouldn't send it to me to shoot. 
you would send it to the creator that I've gone and found for you as a, as a creative strategist, as a project manager, and maybe my team is building the script, but ultimately it's going to her or him. Whereas with us, it comes to us. We get it and we build everything here. Where do, where do you see limitations of that? Like, will that massively decrease results? Do you think in, in your experience or like, is it just less control over the process? I think it is less control over the process because we did do it as well. Like we have outsourced, uh, we kind of did the middleman thing, but you're limited, it's third party. So you're limited to, you know, you have to, you have to put in these different kinds of means where it's like, oh, you must send the content back to me creator in four days or I'm going to take money off of your contract, which is what agencies do. It's like, that's, then you're coming into that relationship on the wrong foot, like you're coming in negatively. And then, so they have to set up these little things to make sure that their creator, who they've never met or can't like communicate with or they've never even educated, they have to make sure that these parameters are in place. And then the education piece is like, well, every Friday we do a training. So every one in our team, we know how good they are and they're only getting better as per the industry changing. Whereas if I was to go and put all of my resources and like my clients futures, like my clients results are based off of how much attention to detail that other creator on Twitter is paying to the industry. That's a risk I don't want to take. That's control we don't have. And that's why I don't think the results are as good as ours in a lot of cases. What else do you do for, what, what do you think are some other things that you would do that are quite unique? Like that Friday meeting is something we've actually taken, we do for, for different aspects of the business. We do run feedback loops on everything that's happened in the business that week. What would you say are some things that you would maybe do there a bit off the beaten track? I, I, I took that one from you and ran with it. It was, it was very good. Yeah. Um, similar things you chat about in the mastermind last year, but you know, with having that control, are there other things kind of you're able to do with the team to keep feedback loops tight, learn new things easier? That's yeah, well, the easiest way is to have everyone at the same table, which is what we have. So whenever you're in there, you'd see there's two main tables. You have like all of our editors with their screens, communicating back and forth. Um, if someone has an issue, like it's, can you have a look at this really quick? And they could just quickly look at it. Like that feedback is instant and invaluable because I've, I've had remote teams before. And then the other pod is like our UGC creators and then like our operations guys. Um, and they're able to just like communicate. Uh, our UGC leader like sits between the UGC creators and it's like, everyone's learning and growing together and there's no gaps. Yeah, fuck, I think about this quite often because like obviously we're, like we're all remote, but then like we, we run that feedback loop framework for every single aspect of production, like on the, on the client fulfillment side for myself and like the sales and the marketing side. But definitely it's like you realize over time basically how important condensing feedback loops is like a, like the shortest time frame possible to get feedback in and when i think when you're in person you just you can short that shorten that down to be near instant yeah and that's like something that like like i was saying to you i'd like it, like we talk about depends on what you're optimizing for like some of us think fuck i would love to have an office kind of a thing but then i'm like you know i think at least at this point in life maybe optimizing for something a bit different yeah but like we said there's pros and cons to all those things like um like there's big pros and cons in office. I can get into them if you want me to. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get into that. Like what, like let's say difference between remote agencies and in-person agencies, what would you see the change there where you have in an office versus being fully remote? Yeah, well, the, yeah, the feedback is amazing. So 
let's say Jack is opening an account and he can just look at it and be like, like everyone's just cracking on, the energy's decent and he's just like, oh shit guys, that PGC that we set live the other day, it's at 60% hook rate. And everyone's like, oh yeah, classy, that was sweet. It's like instant uh, energy uplift. It's like, whereas in another scenario, if it was remote, you'd have to book that meeting to then like get everyone on the call to then explain that thing where he's just gone super supernaturally like yo we just did that yo that's class like there's so many things we have an in-person like that will help your culture so i talk about the carrot and the stick a bit like i don't i hate i don't want to be like if you don't do this well you get punished it's more like right lads we got six weeks here of graft over black friday then we're going go-karting and everyone's like sick and then it's like competitive and it's like i'm gonna beat you no no to do energy's high and it's like you cannot get that from remote unless you all met up somewhere maybe quarterly which is definitely possible but to have that instantly it's 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 pretty awesome and then like the last thing on that is it's like the people and the productivity the people in the space bring the energy and the energy's high and the vibes are really good, but the cause could be the productivity, right? Yep. And it could be uh, a case where we do from time to time have to say, listen, especially the girls, girls, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Not is this work? Even. And then I, I even popped my head through my computer the other day and I just go, girls, and they're like, sorry, 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 it's okay, we're done now. And I go, I was like, I was waiting for that conversation to end and just let it be over. And then you start another one and then you start another one. I was like, like do you know what I mean? That is hard to manage. Cause it's, yes. you don't want to be a douche, but you also have to stop the chitter chatter and get the work done. Like, do you know what I mean? How do you find that balance in that you obviously want to be, you don't want to be almost a buzzkill in a way, but then, cause also your, your vibe internally is like, yeah, it's young. Everyone's a creative inside it's like no one like the, everyone there is creative like you know coming up with new concepts themselves different ways to make variations on ads and stuff like that i mean how do you not how do, like do, do you find that difficult of let's say you've this young company culture if you get me but then it's also there are there are times you do have to it's, it's not so much be strict but it's there are times in any company you have to like set the boundaries and say look like fundamentally it's like you can you can have the crack but the work has to be done first and foremost. Yeah. You know. And I think we've got to that point from just iterating and, you know, over time, we've been in that place a year and a half together. People come in, like we talk about these 90 minute work blocks. We have this thing where we talk about like, we go dark mode where we turn off all the lights and we just have the LEDs and everyone's got their headphones on or else it's like low-fi beats because we have the Sonos and everyone's just working. But it's just iterated in the Monday meetings. We're going through what's coming up this week, what happened last week. Are we on track with all of our projects? It's like, right, everyone knows what they're doing. Right, let's get the head down. Let's get it done. It's like that sense of, well, like teamwork. It's like a rugby team, but we're like a creative team. It's like, right, guys, let's get to work. We know what we're at. Let's get it done. People get into their zone. And they because um, we always iterate it, we talk about like flow state coffees. Um, we talk about like nootropics. We talk about things that you can do, staying hydrated, get up, stand, like, stand and walk around. Because that's part of, who I am as a leader, it filters down. And like our core, if you open our company culture or our company values deck, you'll see one of those points that talks about mind and body. Like I don't let anyone eat at their desk. If you want to eat, 
or have a snack, you can actually go and have one. Like, I'm not going to tell you to get back into your seat. Go have one. Go uh, have a coffee. Go walk around. But don't do it at your desk because that's where you're focused and dialed in on your work. And then I want to detach that from having a break, relaxing, watching the football highlights, whatever it may be. So you have your workspace and you have your relaxed space. So it's, it's things like that. And, you know, there's probably like 10 more examples um, of that. And then like tracking our time as well. People know how long we have to do each thing because we have this productized service. We know exactly how long it takes to fulfill it. They know what their limit is. So if it's getting tight, they're just dialed in. Sick, man, yeah. How, like, how long did that take? Did, did, you, did you really struggle with that? Like in, to like, build it? like Yeah, like in the initial phase of like going from, from remote and we'll get into traveling stuff shortly because I do want to ask about that. But sure. you... Like it, going from remote to in person in the beginning, were you like getting that culture right? Was it hard because you because you will get kind of uh, you will get people having the crack maybe overly, do you know that kind of way? Yeah, so. did I find it hard? I was gagging for it though. Like we were waiting for it. Like see with the lockdown and everything, where you were forced to be remote. I was just like, once we get this office, once we get this office, it's gonna be great. And it was because we were almost like bandits. We're just like we don't really know how to build an office, like. You can see the early photos, it was empty. There was a desk here, a desk there, a wall for like studio. It was just wild, and, but we enjoyed building it and finessing it to what it is today. And then what, in, the, in the new year, our plans are to move next door, which is bigger space, you know, put a little bit more money into it, and just finesse it, make it much like, more slick. And I guess everyone else has bought into that vision because we do reiterate it, we're quite open. It's like, this is why we want to, do a great job with this client in this time frame because if we do that we'll retain them you know if we do a good job by nature of adding value to the market we'll be making more money by making more money we can make a better space that all of us are going to be devoting eight hours a day of our life five days a week to and i guess everyone's just bought into that vision like people want to work here locally we get dms every day people because the bts videos we put out it looks like a good time People genuinely want to work here. So I also remind people that it's like your security. One of my lines is like your job security is in your own hands. Like I'm going to fire anyone. But if you decide to just stop performing and stop, you know, bringing your 100% best to this team, you're letting your own, you're letting way for someone else to come in. Like you're letting your own self down. Fuck yeah, that's I mean, with that, with that culture, with how, how many, like, would you get that quite often? Are people just messaging you saying any, any roles open kind of thing like that? Daily. Really? I... Especially when we put up the behind the scenes or the vlogs or like the carding, like, and every now and then we do a hiring round. We'll have like 60, 70 people apply, but it's the 80, 20 rule. 80% of them are just like amateurs, which is fine to be an amateur, of course, but like not what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. 20% of the good stuff is like, hmm, could be, keep them on the... We have a, what we call a subs bench, keep them on subs bench. So when we're really busy, we can just draft them in, um, in, and, out, in and out like freelancers. So, but yeah, we have a lot of people that do actually um, want to work here and learn from us. But who was it, Munger, Buffett or someone said like, it's too expensive. Yeah, when it was- Free is too expensive. Free is too expensive. When Warren Buffett was going to work for Benjamin Graham, he was like, yeah, you're overpriced. Yeah. He's like, fuck, okay. <laughs> probably, worth, probably what you're going to teach me is worth knowing so in some respect. Yeah. And we get that. Co- Quite often, I don't think we're as good at like displaying the culture that we have as you guys are on social media. Like, I see yours and it just looks like 
It looks sick. Looks too fun, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, let's crack that back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> need to tone that down a bit. Yeah. And you, when you moved to, to being in person, you said you were gagging for it there, that you really wanted to, to move in person. I mean, I, I, I know you've done a lot of traveling. I, don't, I didn't realize until recently just how much traveling you'd actually done. But were you, when, when did you kind of get on the traveling hype? And was that kind of, has that almost made you in a way because you've gotten that out of your system? You're like, yeah, I mean, I'm, you're back living in Belfast where you're from, you love it here, kind of a thing. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I I started traveling straight after school, so I loved school. Did you go to uni or? I didn't. And you were you were very good at school, weren't you? I was good at school and like good at all the things in and around school. Like the product, I did the production for the the plays. Um, I was like a senior prefect, you know, good at rugby, athletics. We ran at Ireland. Like I had a very accomplished sixth year, but by na- like by nature of the system, they were just like pushing me towards uni. But I knew. I was so self-aware, I was like, that's not for me. Like, I'm not gonna do what I just did again. Like, I need the next chapter. I didn't know exactly what it was, but, you know, I'll save you all the early entrepreneur stories. <laughs> that's sick to have that fucking awareness to do that though, because I, I think I maybe wouldn't have gone to uni if I'd, if I'd had that level of awareness in a way, but yeah. it's sick that you had that fucking 17. But I had it before even going sick. I, I knew going into sixth year that I wasn't gonna go to uni, and that sixth year for me was rugby. I wanted to play rugby and I wanted to do sixth year. Like, Everyone's like it's a mean like it's a means to the next thing, but for me it was just like I'm doing sixth year because my mates are there. I love playing rugby. We were going to travel South Africa, which opened my eyes a lot, and that was why I was doing it. But I wasn't doing it to then get UCAS and go to freaking uni. I was never doing it. So, you know, we had I had arguments which I've spoken about before with my teachers because they told me I was wasting my time. But I was like, this is good. This is good two years. This is really fun. I'm developing as a person. I'm playing sports. Like, I'm loving my life, but after, it was time for me to go and start traveling, which is exactly what I did. So, literally, as soon as we could get out, um, I went to Canada, and I stayed in Canada for six months as a ski instructor. So, I was like, again, what I want to do, I want to ski, but I, can't, I don't have any money, so how can I get paid to ski while I'll just be an instructor? Like, the usual thing is to go and be a dishy or to do housekeeping or things like that but then you're then you're spending your time like not skiing whereas i wanted to be i wanted to optimize for skiing so i became a ski instructor and all of my time then was on the slopes so that was like okay there's other things that you can do so now i unlocked that what else can you do well you can do summer seasons so i went and did the whole magaluf thing that was pretty wild <laughs> you know you bit, know a bit I, of a change there from a ski you, resort to magaluf like but you can do anything you want it's just identifying it and then be like, okay, that's the, that's the thing. You know, I also give some advice to some of my friends, like what do they want to do? They wanted to do these different, like I wanted to travel, they wanted to do this. I said, well, do a yacht. Like you can go and work on a yacht or you can go and work on a cruise ship and take your skills. Like my cousin took his skills of playing the bass guitar and he was on, in like a band sailing all around the best countries in the world on a cruise ship. Do you know what I mean? There's just so many unlocks. You just got to use a bit of uh, creative thinking. Um, and that, that period, that year, when I did the winter to the summer back to back, that was like, okay, I'll, I'm not done. I need to keep going. So I traveled for three years. From 18 to 21 kind of thing? Yeah. So 21, I finished up in Australia. Did a, a long time in there. I did a year. And then did all Asia, Southeast Asia. 
but I was still not done. But I was like, no, yeah, there's still so much to see. So we did like China, um, backpack down China. Again, like Jack had come out of school and he's like, what do I do? I was like, do whatever. Here's blocks of things that you can do. So he went and taught English in China. So again, he's never taught English to anyone ever, but it's just like a program that you can do that's not university. He did that, I went and visited him. We, we backpacked all the way down there, went to the factories, the econ factories, like saw all that shit. It was class. Um, and then yeah, I ended up doing 40 countries, which was my, I wanted to do the 30 before 30 challenge, but I'd way surpassed it. So we went for 40 before 30. And I think I did 42 by my 30th birthday, uh, which we just passed. Hey, that is ridiculous. So when, what was the chronology like there? Okay, so we go from Canada, then Magaluf. Canada, Magaluf, Australia, Asia. Well, before Canada was my rugby tour to South Africa, which is really my eye opener of like new culture. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll not get into it, but the way they're like inherently like, in like they're racist, the whites there are racist. Yeah. To the point you, it's kind of scary. Um, and then like the poverty line, everything like that. So yeah, South Africa, open my eyes, Canada, Australia, um, Magaluf in between that. Where did I go off to Australia, 2021? Where did I go? China? No, it wasn't China at that point, was it? China was then. No, China was soon after that, but not straight away. Euro I did Europe. We did six weeks uh, interrail in Europe. Man, you've, Loads. Been, you've been around Colombia, but I was, I was in Colombia recently. You've been around the block, man. Jesus. Yeah, literally all of it. Like, I guess not all of it, obviously, but like the little pods that you can do, like India, America, the lot of America, like Las Vegas, Nevada, and the LA. I took a road trip on my own. Um, <laughs> well, what? Fuck, I don't know. What the, the that, I can't remember what the chronology, but we did a lot. We did a lot. You definitely did a lot. How do you rate working when you were, when you were traveling and around to different places? So 2016, no, 2015. This is probably really boring. I'm going to try to rack this in my head. Yeah, so 2015, I was really dialed in with like the unis and the parties because I was like working in the nightclubs here to save up money to, to travel. And I was able to throw these parties and I had obviously identified a good like promoter streak in me where Yik Yak is a social media app. Do you remember them? I remember that. They came that to the UK and they were working with a big agency and they needed someone to basically, like the job description was, we're gonna infiltrate the unis and get everyone on campus to sign up for Yik Yak. And I was that person. So I was the first UK employee at Yik Yak, which was like worth $440 million at the time. And we just went through Ireland, through the UK, just infiltrating these unis, giving out socks, partying to get people to download Yik Yak. That was where the socks, the socks came from. The socks obsession began there. Socks obsession began there, absolutely. Yeah, we, so we did the socks then in 2015 and then we did it early with, um, with Life Like Media. And then I was actually, so that was towards the end of 2015. Yes, so I was in a bad accident. That's where we lost the year. Um, I was pretty crippled for a while, but coming out the back of that, so about 18 months of rehab, um, I was in a wheelchair and that's when I cooked up elephant events. So I built that business in a house on my mom's laptop, the events in the events industry, because that's what I knew from there. Um, and I had a wee business partner and we, yeah, we smashed that. 
That's our guy in then with Queens, and that takes us into like tw- end of twenty seventeen. Uh, right, see, I'd, he- I'd heard of you doing like doing the events like from from obviously Peter and from Conor McKeown that like you'd be like on the ski trips and you were doing like the videography even then like you've been been in the game a while in terms of create like just creating content. It's been a long, like, it's been ten years basically. Yeah, and I'd never really built my own personal brand. That's the other thing. So I was always doing this for businesses or for like our previous company. Um, but I probably should have. In hindsight, like, we're sitting on you know, hundreds of gigabytes of p- potential class content that's just never really got around to building it out for myself. But yeah, I mean, I've been doing marketing-ish, marketing for, you know, a dec- close to a decade now, um, whether it be the events promotion side or uh, video or what we do today. Fuck, I mean... I, I, I guess the gap what you're talking about then was like, when was I traveling and working? Yeah. So that would have been from 2016, 17 onwards like I remember doing the Euro trip for six weeks and just like being on a train and like closing the deal or like back like being in Barcelona and just be like we've got another party but like I remember doing that and it was class and I enjoyed that but then I guess it all changed whenever I joined the Affluent Academy did you do Affluent? I actually didn't Jordan yeah. Platten? No I actually never did his stuff so that's where I met Adam, Kieran, Joe all them boys so then I went over to Marbella in November 2019 that would have been, and then 2020 was COVID. Mate, Marbella in 2020 COVID, I'd say it was just, yeah, like that's, it, was, it was the spot. That's where we went, because, well, in between November and COVID starting, we came home because we went skiing, uh, me and Jack, and then we were the last off the slopes in Val I remember, because that's when the, everyone got locked down in March. And then, uh, yeah, we realized, what was it? What date was it? No, because, yeah, we... We were last off the slopes in March and then it would have been the following January. Okay. That, was that 19? Fuck, it seems so long ago. Yeah, it would have been, yeah, because it like, COVID started March 2020, right? So. Oh, so we were in March 2020? Yeah, yeah. But then when did we go to Marbella? I, I think it was 2021 you went, because Adam, yeah, Adam, we, Adam went in 2021. Yeah, so we went over, me and Jack went over, we crossed the border into Dublin because we were closing the borders, stayed in the hotel and the next night flew to Marbella. And then we crashed with Adam. So we were with Adam for like two weeks in his apartment until, and then I flew Rebecca over and then we got apartment and we got set. And then we were there until the lockdown lifted, which was like end of April or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. And then you went out. So we actually missed each other in Morbea. Yeah, I went out in November, 2021, but it was, it was the fucking spot, man. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a spot. So after all that, like from working, working and traveling, I'm obviously traveling and working, but I'd like do three months in a spot generally. And, I still really enjoy it and I still don't feel like I'm done, but I know, what would you, do? did you feel that set in pretty quickly from when you're like, right here, fuck, I, I kind of maybe don't want to do that. I've kind of scratched this itch now, but the itch, the itch is elsewhere. It's, it's more like, I don't want to continually, I like my routine. I'm almost like autistic about it. Like if you mess with it, it really affects me. It has to be something serious to ruin my routine. And I just felt with travel, I couldn't really have it. I tried to make it but it's really hard. Um, and that I, the offset of that is working hard in Belfast. Like I love it here. My family are here. I have an apartment here. I really do enjoy Belfast, but every three months having something to look forward to, to reset, take your mind off of it. You know, whether it be a, a ski trip or uh, we did a mastermind in, in South America and Colombia, like something like that to just look forward to 
or a big trip I did with Rebecca. Again, we did you know parts of Europe we'd never done before, um, and having that with a little bit. I wouldn't say no work. I think I only did it once with no work, but just a very dialed down version of work. Uh, maybe just catching up with people, making sure everything's sweet. But that for me is optimal. So it's like, what are you optimizing for? I used to be optimizing for fun and we had a lot of it. Now I'm optimizing for growth um, and like, you know, long-term wealth. So to do that, I need to have my structure and I really like it. Fucking true. I think there's definitely a big discussion to be had in our whole space of people not optimizing around what they actually want. Like some yeah. people just like chase certain things that they think they want. Yeah. Do you know, I think traveling could be one of them, but even some people don't realize what getting to a certain client count or staff count or revenue amount, what that would actually tangibly do to their life and it could nuke what they're optimizing for. Yeah. So like you might want to, you might, some people want more, more of a, I suppose like balanced life in a way. A balance is different for everyone, but you know, typical, like they're very into health and fitness. Like you were very into health and fitness as is Jack, as am I. Um, like kind of having more time for, for like family stuff, for like hobbies, you know, but I think sometimes you can just, like you, it's a question you need to be continually asking in your life, like what am I optimizing for here? Because if, if you get, if you lose track of that, you can get blown away where it's so fucking easily. Yeah, I guess like, yeah, we're optimizing for growth and I keep trying to say that, but we also keep having so much fun because that's the nature of what we're doing. Like, for example, um, we signed the Ferocity contract with Tyson Fury. By nature of being a creative agency working for Tyson Fury's brand, we have to go and film Tyson Fury. So that was like a whole big thing. And that was super fun. We did the first one in Blackpool. It went so well. Next minute, it's like, do you want to go to Thailand next week? Uh kind of have a whole schedule going on like tell me the details it's like oh yeah just let us know if you're free we're gonna go to thailand it's gonna be nine days i uh, go to do a tour and we want you to film it right okay yeah okay we're in okay let me confirm okay next day no confirmation still no confirmation three days before we flew out they confirmed yeah we're going to thailand and that whole time we're like please let us know we have a business to run so me jack hannah we flew out to Thailand um, and like basically joined up with their, like what they call Team Tyson, him and all his mates. Um, and that was just like, I call it a journey. That was a journey. It was savage, but it was wild. Um, and it was like, we were getting so much great content. Uh, we were having a load of fun and you're just looking at yourself going, we're actually like, this is what we do for a living. Do you know what I mean? If you're, getting that, you're getting that travel time, you're getting that crack but you're also building a huge case study for yourself and having these moments that, you know, no one really is going to be able to have. You don't get that close to Tyson Fury during, you know, a camp and a tour. And how, what were those nine days structured like when you're shooting with well, that, The nine days like ended up being seven. So, but the fact that we, we knew within three days to go, nine days turned into seven, like there was no structure. <laughs> like structure was missing. Um, it was just... It was pretty chaos. So like one example I like to tell a story where we were kind of getting out of a truck to go to this pretty weird circus, like fight circus thing. And Tyson, you just hear him roaring. He's like, where's me Irish boys? <laughs> so you're like poking our head out the van, like what's going on? And he's like, right, you little fuckers. We're staying here. We're staying in Thailand. We're staying to the end of the month. And we're like, uh, are we? <laughs> I was like, we kind of have things to do. I've got a business to run, man. I, I said that, right? Pretty candidly, like, felt like I could say it. Didn't think there would be any problems. Like, you know, we, we got things going on back home and he literally flipped. He goes, 
what is more important than working with the heavyweight fucking king in Thailand? That's what he said. And I was like, bro, nothing. You're right. <laughs> yeah, so you're kind of fucking right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I was like, right, we need to get uh, we need to get protein sent over. We need to get like cans sent over and get all this stuff. And he's like, we'll get this, we'll get that. A few uh, X-rated stuff I'll tell you off camera, as I said. And, um, and yeah, like that, that was what it was like. And it turned out we ended up not staying for that month. Um, and when he realized that everyone, you know, his bodyguard, his team, you know, when people weren't staying, you know, he took that quite badly. He didn't, he didn't like that. He got up, he left dinner. And I guess that's kind of the story that people hear about him with, with, with his mood sw- switches. Yeah. So to be able to see that firsthand and experience and be at the tail end of that, you know, it's quite, quite incredible. And then they did the whole Netflix thing, um, which we're actually in, we're on in some of those episodes, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, just to see that behind the scenes, you could never optimize for that, but you get it as I like the you. sawdust of being a creative. I get you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny if you're with a character like that, just from like, obviously his life is so unusual. Like even just being a professional fighter in general is unusual. Just being the, the heavyweight world champion, obviously his background is very unique and stuff, but I think you are naturally going to get some aspects of them that are going to be, you have these, these amazing positives here, but that's, uh, they're going to come with some other eccentricities where you can't be surprised when he's acting like that as well. Yeah. In a sense, if he's kind of shouting like G and the lads up and just saying all sorts, how could you be surprised? Yeah, he goes mad. And it's such good energy as well. I like to shoot with him. The first moment we ever met him, the energy he brought was amazing. He just owned the whole thing. And he's so easy to work with because he, you can't coach it. Like There's people where you're trying to drag energy out of someone, but he, he brings it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean... I don't know which, which you would have been into more, but would you look back on that shoot more fondly? Or would you look back on, let's say, because you worked with Harry Kane as well for stat sports. Like, you worked, <laughs> you've been around. So you worked with Harry Kane, Phil Foden. Um, there was a couple of other people. Not Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather. Tommy. Uh, yeah, Ulster Rugby as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would you look back on? i say out of all the people you've worked with there, what was the one where you're looking back and you're, or even in the moment, you're thinking, what, how on earth has this happened? Yeah, the, the, the Harry Kane one was pretty special because it was, I think it was our first like big celebrity shoot, but it was so, like he had a manager. I feel like you'd maybe have to coach it out of him. To be yeah. Better, so, instead of Tyson Fury. To give context to that shoot, we were shooting the ads for Statsports. They gave us like a test with under 19, Dublin under 19s or Drogon under 19s. And the test went really well. So we actually started like unlocking their ambassadors. And we got Harry Kane, um, and this was like gonna be a military operation because he only had so much time, um, and it was late, but we'd been like drilling it, like practicing what we were gonna be doing with a stopwatch, and we had 22 minutes. Like, not 23, not 20, 22 to get everything that we needed in. And it was one of those ones, we were, just, we were prepared, we were ready, we were over-prepared, like analysis paralysis, like we were so focused on these mad, like, you know, once he walks from here, he has to walk to there, and then he walk, and I have to say this line, and he says that line. It was like, it was a full freak out, and then you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and then he walked out of the changing room, and you're like, holy shit, that man's aura. He's like six, whatever, he's like six, four. He's like a serious specimen, and you can like, fuck. He's like Captain England, and I wasn't super used to shooting like high, like megastars, so, I was just like, holy fuck, this is the moment. And I was like, it's all, we have a whole vlog that you can watch on YouTube. And I was like, 
hey Harry, <laughs> I'm going to take you over here. And at about six minute mark, he, we made a mistake. Um, he took his bib off and he had a Nike t-shirt and Nike hadn't re-signed his deal. So his manager just like, he stopped the shoot midway and we had this like back and forth about what was going to happen with the, the bib and that like threw me because I was directing and shooting and I had about 25 people at the other side, like, other end of the camera just watching us and we just had this mistake in the middle um, and it, it kind of threw us off. You know, you move past it and you, you just try and zone in, get the shots and then at the end you look back and you're like, that was crazy. But yeah, he that one that was a unique circumstance. But he was he was he was pretty awesome. Yeah, fuck. I mean, that's like two aspects, almost two distinct aspects to your business in a way. Where obviously you've typically ecom creative clients, where like you're making core concepts for them, variations of those concepts, and like video ads, statics, all the rest of it. But then you also do like these mad shoots. Like, do you? You know what you said? You like your routine. Do, do you? It's almost like a barbell strategy, I think, that you would maybe follow, like like 90% of it is kind of in studio. You guys are, are making these kind of your typical sort of packages for brands, but do you want to do more of that in-person stuff or is it, you know, does it throw does it throw you out a bit? Like, is, is the juice worth the squeeze basically at this point? Um, yeah, for that kind of client. Because again, like, sit anyone around the table and you could say, this is my niche, this is my niche, this is my niche. Then someone says to you, do you want to come to Dubai for a week to film with Floyd Mayweather and Tommy Fury uh, and meet the Tate brothers and be ringside for one of the biggest you know, events of the year? Sorry, it's not my niche. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, obviously you're gonna take that. Because by you're growing and you're building and you unlock new levels and new opportunities. And, but, you know, was it juice worth the squeeze in each of those examples we've talked about? Yeah, definitely. But for so, only for so long, um, for us, like the, the way our e-com system is built, like you can take any single product, deliver it here, and it will get picked up from the foyer and dropped perfectly into a system that's so well oiled that in 10 days out the other side, you will have a packet of ad creatives that are gonna help you scale your brand. And that can happen without me even looking at it. That can happen with me being in Dubai or Marbella because the team knows what to do and they do it. But then every now and then, like let's say a big company like Lumi comes along and they, they have a very well built out content team. Like they're smashing it. I love those guys. But all of a sudden they're going, well, how are you building ads that way? Because we can't do it that way. Come out and do it for us. And then of course I'm going to go. You know, so we went to Manchester, we had a good relationship with Tommy, we shot with Tommy, we shot with Lumi guys, but at the same time that we were delivering our exact package, which is like, you know, that military operation, they're going, teach us how to do it. And we're actually kind of explaining and showing and recording what we do so we can build that system inside of Lumi as well. Like it's slightly off. It's not like the exact way. It's not like what it's that part is not what we're scaling, but you're going to take those opportunities. Of course, yeah. Yeah, you, you couldn't turn down like a week in Dubai when you were like filming Tommy Fury and like, was that, was that Tommy Fury and Jake Paul? That was Tommy Fury and it was meant to be Paul Bamba, but he fucking pulled out. It was Floyd and Deji was the oh, okay, yeah. headlining. And then- He met, but the, that's, met the Tates as well. Yeah, because I was, I was supposed to be filming Floyd, but he's so standoffish. Like he's really hard to like build a relationship with or even talk to, like he'll wait in his car for two hours and you'd just be standing there. So 
we put one of our junior videographers on him and then I went and you know started to strike up a relationship with Tommy and his manager Jake who's a legend and that was like I was a year I was just over a year ago and since that moment you know I was shooting with him we built a good relationship you know I went on the radio with him not I, I wasn't on the radio but I went to the radio station with him to shoot these behind the scenes we shot us training then he invited me to the villa to do like his midnight training session and that's where I was getting to meet like John and starting to get in with the team and then newest trainers and newest physios and that's from just being like a genuine person who can shoot video but also like can help them out like they didn't have a TikTok I built a TikTok for them then and then the first three videos if you go look at his are the videos I made in Dubai for them why do you not have one like just build it and it's just those little moments um and a year later we've worked together you know multiple multiple times but you, again if I was to turn around and say you're not an econ brand and you're not inside the system you're just missing like life life skill life opportunity life experience yeah there is something to be said about optimizing for that as well of course like it's not just you don't want to be optimizing just around cash i mean for those yeah i mean how, how do you even get roped in like how do you even get roped in to do those like as in how do people because like you're you're known i think like in the e-com space you're kind of a bit better known like probably than in let's say events and stuff like that at this stage you've been doing e-com for a while um, at least on Twitter and stuff like that, I think you'd be like, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't really use, I don't have a good Twitter strategy. That's something I want to talk to you about as well. Yeah, after for, this, like, getting you, a proper you Twitter just have strategy. to be a bit schizo, man, and just, <laughs> just like chuck shit out there. But uh, like from the stuff you'd done earlier on, just from being in the game a while, like building up case studies or like building up, I, I have done this before, I've done that, this, that, and the other. I wanted, they just kind of hear about you and they were like, yeah, this, like, we know this person's very good and they got recommended to you by like a, you know, a client of yours or just, I don't know how that even happens for events. I mean, for like the Dubai thing or? Yeah. Because yeah. for the Dubai thing, like that was e-com. So we ran the ads and the content for that fight event because they, they were doing pay-per-views. Um, so the really quick story was we did like four influencer boxing events as the paid ads guys. So we ran their ads we got the content of the influencers like we were like in groups with them all being like like say this beef and they would say the beef into the camera like salt poppy and then we would clip it and then we would run it on tiktok and we were like we were being really profitable i think because it was a pay-per-view i think if we were getting like a four pound cpa which is really low but it was like a 8.99 whatever if we were getting like a four pound we were, we were prepared like we had the clearance to spend as much money as we physically wanted we had like two Hong Kong investors there. We had the credit cards. We we're spending, you know, the day before the event, we got up to like 20 grand on a daily spend for just pumping out pay-per-views. And that word got out in that industry. It's like, oh, they were doing that for these like TikTok boxers, um, do it for the next event. And then we did it for the next event. And then eventually we got the opportunity to throw a hat in the ring for Floyd. So I sent a proposal and I think we came in really, really expensive, whereas the other agency came in really, really cheap, and they basically just went, oh, you guys must be probably more legit because it's really expensive, but they ended up beating us down on price. But we came back with, we'll fly us out there, our whole team, do our, uh, our hotels, our flights and everything, um, and, and we did it. So that's kind of how I came about. That's sick, man. Switching gears a little bit, 
we touched on when you went you went full into creative because creatives become a bit more creatives become a lot more important in ads than let's say the the, the media buying strategy and so in to an extent they work they work together of course but when you what exactly changed with ios 14 to your eye and like so we'll start with that change right so that change that happened with making content for brands and had the importance of it and then we'll maybe talk of a follow-up question into that Phil. well it was more like the privacy and the targeting like restrictions like i don't think anyone argues now that broad is a very good strategy and that the that the platform itself can find you the right buyers but then what they don't do is actually present the product um in you know in a way where it should be consumed by the right uh buyer so it's a long way around to be like it's avatar specific they can you can go broad in the platform and that's all well and good but it's still the what like the physical what is being shown like what is the video what is the photo and because we are going broad we need to use the creative to do much of the heavy lifting and i think that is quite um a special place to be in because if you can control like if what i see is going to stop me from scrolling and make me think this is actually interesting and then hold my attention to the point where I have now learned about a product I didn't know before and it looks like it's going to suit me and then present me with an offer which I'm going to buy like all that control can be we can we can we can look after that and then we just trust that the platform is going to put that in the right place so it's the avatar specific video is the key that's a really long way around saying it but that's kind of like where my where my mind is going with that so the targeting changed, it became more restricted. The media buyers then relied on the broad targeting, but you can't go broad targeting with a picture of a bottle of water and a price, right? Because it'll just get swiped right past. So now the control is on the creatives and the brand to get the, to, to, to fight for the school stop first, to then re-engage and hold the attention, to then educate, to then win the click but then when a click where they actually clicking with buying intent versus like, I just click baited you. So you see all those components that up to that point, it's, it's, it's all done inside the creative. I get you. Yeah. Whereas it used to be, I'll go and target a footballer. I'll target someone who makes purchases on this. I'll target like, and you start making a whole list of all those things. I think you don't have to do that anymore. You just have to put a lot more energy into the what is being shown and then trust that the platform finds it. Yeah, fuck. I mean, when you when you saw that change happen, was that when you were like, when you when you saw iOS chain coming in, were you thinking, fuck, this is an opportunity here? In the sense, did you immediately clock, okay, creative's gonna obviously be a lot more important now? Yeah, I mean, people, other people smarter than us were talking about it as well, like on Twitter or you know on YouTube, and but we were kind of already doing it in that we were already making videos. Um, we had a video product called the VBC video business card, which is literally just another, it was like a longer form video of like hook story offer. And it always started with people come to me because, and then it was like an aesthetics person, people come to me because, and then all the reasons why people get aesthetics or dental or whatever it was. And it was just a long, a longer form version of a 30 second real ad or 20 second real ad. So we were already doing that, but now we're like, oh, we need to make it portrait. 
now we need to make it shorter. You see what I mean? And it was just variations of that. And then whenever the, you know, let's say the big spenders were saying, oh yeah, we're going broad. Um, you know, the, the, the creative is the variable. We were going, well, yeah, we're sitting here with like 10 creatives. This is, this is brilliant. This is perfect. Uh, let's get them all live. Fuck, that's ideal. I mean, now, nowadays, almost within an account structure for someone running ads, I mean, if you were to, let's say it's a brand spending, I don't know, like 10 grand a month or something on ads, or just even more than that, like how should they be composing? What, what types of ads should they definitely have now? Do you, do you know that kind of way? It's in before it was like a yeah. lot. Before it was like a lot of picture ads. You just like the joke is, or the meme is like you just chuck up a picture ad and it get a six x at whatever, and it's a shit ad. It's literally made in Canva or PowerPoint even. And like now, it's obviously changed. Like now, in twenty twenty two, that sort of very popular UGC format started to come be really popular. But you obviously do a lot of different types of ads now like what like what would you re- what would you be rec- recommended to a brand of like structuring their account or even just a few funny wee things they could they could maybe chuck in yeah i mean i always say it's almost like what are we optimizing for but you need to be educating people on your product if it is like let's say it's a, a mushroom coffee most people aren't going to know what that is or what it even does so i'd be building creatives around you know the benefits of that it's discovery and it's education. I kind of think that's like your safest spot. I would also say it's quite you know early on in the funnel. That's you're grabbing someone's attention who maybe hasn't ever seen you before. Typically, that's why you want to be using paid ads anyway to discover new people. So if you're going to pay money to discover new people, I'd be going really educational focused ads. This is what it does. Uh, this is how I can help you, or this is how I help someone else just like you. Um, so that's almost like you're like non-negotiable and then i suppose you could follow it down that funnel structure where it is then okay i've seen you loads of times um and i've seen i've seen this brand and i've seen that brand and i've seen this brand but it's all the same shit literally it's the same ingredient Mm. uh why should i buy theirs versus the others so in that instance okay there's lots of little minor things you could do like the us versus them ads like which are kind of bullshitty in that everyone's kind of the same it's just a different brand but yeah. what i what i like to put in there which is what you always get in our packages is the brand style the high quality shot with sony's looks slick because that's where you're going to go oh this product is actually legit it's the real deal they've been able to invest in good quality marketing and good quality creatives versus like the drop shipper who's just throwing a few to some influencers and some creators and yet Every brand might be able to educate, but what brand can then say, look how cool we are? Like, and that might not be a direct response by from this ad, but it's kind of going, oh yeah, you guys are actually the real deal. And then maybe they do buy from that ad or maybe they buy from the next one, which then if we continue in that funnel structure is like your statics and your graphics, maybe it's an offer, you know, maybe it's like bundle, testimonial, something like that. But that's how I would imagine it in my mind as as that funnel and what would go into where but you're almost going from video there almost through that process that's going from like video almost down to maybe static and so and down to like picture ads a little bit like obviously maybe there if you're doing like the high production kind of creative so like you've like made like some pretty sick creatives like for one of the brands that we share that we work on um 
but it seems like you're going from longer form ad then down to like picture like towards the down to like image ads then like yeah, it's almost like squeeze, because who again by nature of a being a funnel it's like squeezing out only the only the people at that bottom are ones who've come through and seen i watched you know the ugc i discovered it uh, on tiktok i discovered it on instagram and i saw it more and more maybe i saw a really cool video on story that was just it was just slick it was just cool you know it just matched my vibe and then you know when you have these brands you're just like oh they're sick oh they're cool but they're not sick or cool just because some creator actually you know did it in her living room they're, they've got that vibe because like i like i always think of like crafted you know alex as a creative lead there like he makes really cool videos that don't even have text on them and I know they're a videographer motion vid, like they're making really, really awesome content for that middle of funnel where it's like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna buy crafted versus like, I don't know, Saranucci or something. Like depends it depends on that kind of person and who you think you are. Um the other example of that like middle, but you're right, it goes like maybe discovery video, maybe like slicker video and down into graphic. Yeah. But you it might only be a graphic that you need. To get that conversion could be i i mean like you're doing some interesting formats as well like of like podcast generated content do you want would you want to explain podcast generated content for people actually as well because it's it's funny yeah so we're i can't even remember where i came up with it like or maybe i saw it i saw it um i saw like high smile and everyone doing it i just i noticed it was a thing and then did we say? Did we call it PGC? Or I think I think you PGC? might. Have, I think you might have coined that unofficially. Because yeah, I was doing a podcast with Shaw, and I'd said it, and then I clipped it, and then I put it out, and then I actually ran it as an ad, and got loads of people wanting it. So we shot it here, and we were getting hook rates of like sixty percent because people are by nature they are wanting to watch these podcasts. So before they even know what it is, they're stopping to pay attention. And then, but then the hold rate's really low. So the drop off from the hook to the hold was substantial because only a few people that have been hooked in are going to be like, oh, now what they're talking about is actually relevant to me. But I still think that's really good because then the pool of people that you're getting, it's still way more. You get more bang for your buck. Um, so it's a good one to have in there in your arsenal. Uh, again, I would have that as top of funnel. Um, what's the other types we do? Actually, just on that podcast when I saw V Shred do an ad where he has like this red kind of curtain up behind him, so he's basically trying to make it look like he's on the Joe Rogan. Yeah, experience. I see loads of people do that. That's, that's, that's funny. And then they maybe cut the Joe Rogan and be like, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> there was like a wasn't like a CMOS brand, but there's some like supplement brand did it, and they basically like cut themselves into Joe Rogan, which is I don't know black hat like. It is black hat for sure. I mean. So are there, are there other kind of cheeky formats you might like as well? Or I mean, so we have, okay, let's go like that typical UGC format. It's like still so prevalent. Yeah. High production creatives, which obviously you're able to do. A lot of creative agencies aren't able to do. Like we were kind of saying of yeah. like you having the in-house function, you're able to do that where other people can't. We have statics. There's um, ones, if you're looking for like those wee niche, like micro hits, you've got like the comment reply. You reply to a comment or the ones where it looks like you're texting each other. And then a new one that we just tried, I actually think we got this from Savannah Sanchez, it's the voice note. So it looks like it's a screen recording and the two girls are voice noting each other and people are stopping to hear that. And then there's one we want to try with that screen right behind you where we're going to shoot the ad, put it on the TV and then record the TV as if someone's just been like, 
this is because you know where you see that really organic style where it's like some you're scrolling and someone's recording the TV and you're like, oh fuck, he's just seen something class and he thought to record it to share it. Right. So that's going to be something that we're pr- producing, which is I reckon it's going to do well. But yeah, we have loads of those ideas, <laughs> street see, interviews. And all. I saw well, I saw a street interviews. Yeah, I saw one that was like. Um, like Apple, Apple Notes, like basically like iPhone Notes, and it was like to do list, and then it was like X Y Z, and then also buy like, buy, <laughs> buy buy this product, and I was like, I was like, that is that stopped me. I was like, oh, it was it was interesting. Yeah, it's just it's just different ways, but then you can take that, which is like um, a way of grabbing attention that's kind of in people's daily routine, maybe, and you can do that in loads of ways. Like the TV thing would be the same as that. Um, the post-it note, which. I think it's a wee bit over now, but that did well for a while. We did the post note with Revival and it did really well. Yeah. Um, and then it's just different like little micro trends inside of UGC. You could do different things like that, you know? Yeah, I suppose that does all fall under UGC when you think about it, because it's all a a very, of it, yeah. it's just very informal. It's like you're like a friend kind of a thing. Like it's, it's very, uh, almost low production yeah value. Like, if i was to take a video of here right now like uh, let's say i was just going to shoot these cameras like it, it quite clearly looks like a behind the scenes you know if i'm panning around someone's like always oh, behind the scenes of a podcast or a production and then i take my camera mm. to you and then you deliver the line yeah that's like maybe it's about our creative delivery and you're like yeah this is glass uh, it's hooked someone in and then you deliver the educational piece that I want people to hear. It's just different ways of getting people to stop scrolling and then hear what you have to say. But then that, what you want to say, has to be engaging enough to get them to continue to hear, right? Because it's like a timeline. It's like a, it's just a video timeline. Have I got them to stop? If yes, can I re-engage them throughout this video? And then if they're going to spend 17 seconds on my video, I fucking better have a pretty good offer for them, otherwise they're just gonna swipe off if I wanna get that click. Right, fuck. I mean, would you would you see that just, would you see that being like the big development going forward within ad creatives where it's gonna be just little variations kind of within that UGC bucket, almost of different ways to hook people like that? Or like, would you see any big shifts coming of like, I don't know, maybe video ads maybe not being as prevalent or? I think long form is actually something that's definitely coming back because I'm seeing those stats. You know, I hate this when people say our attention spans are low. We don't have low attention spans because like I just watched like The Hunger Games and it was like two hours long. Do you know what I mean? Well, actually, side note, in the middle of Hunger Games, I actually took my phone out because I had a really good idea and I'm like banging it into my, into my notes app. But the point being, you know, Netflix exists, Disney Plus exists, like people have attention for things they want to watch. I feel like podcasts is a long form content that people are consuming um, as long as it's interesting. So I want to get more into longer form, but we're trying to maybe put that into some paid channels, um, YouTube ads, for example, like, but raw, mm. not like um, super animated, like clearly an ad ad, but just like an experience. This is our experience with this product, uh, but it's just kind of drawn out. I think that could be something that's worth looking into. Um, yeah, definitely like something that we should be paying attention to. Again, you get the you get the notification on TikTok from time to time, and it's like sixty percent of people are watching more than one minute of video. So 
if they're giving me that data, I should probably be looking at spending some time and you know, one to two minute worth of videos. Um, yeah, I see that like with certain certain health brands, obviously they have to be kind of careful with the claims they make and stuff, but seeing almost like VSLs as an ad in a sense where it's not exactly like a, 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 a B2B service company, VSL, but VSL stands for video sales letter, by the way, for anyone listening, but it's like a long, I saw one for a brand where it starts off with this lady who's the founder of the brand giving a TED talk. And then the ad, the, the ad was like three minutes long. Yeah. And someone on Twitter had posted, I forget who, but they said it was a massive winner. They shared the stats from it and it was, they, they were able to scale it up to like five figures in daily spend. Jeepers. And it was able to do that for, I think over a month, it was able to take that, that kind of spend, which is, and, and do so at a target CPA. Yeah, and imagine like, that didn't take too long to produce because they just caught like part of a TED talk and then a little bit of finesse. But like, also if your product is interesting to use, so like, I've seen the examples, let's say, you know that wee boomerang toy, like you throw it, mm. like all that person does is just show them using it. But let's move it into like, what's a good example? Like a board game or something where it's kind of fun to use and watch someone use. Like there's different kinds of, you know that wee game where they pull the thing back and they flick it forward or the little golf game where they're like chipping it. Mm. Like you would just watch that. But the whole, you could just watch two people play against each other and you're waiting to see who wins because you're hooked in. But the whole way along, it's just an ad. It's just like, I'm going to compete against this person with my actual product and you're going to watch it because you want to see who wins. But it, it, it's, it's paid. It's paid social, right? But yeah. you can set up a tripod and do that. It's fucking mad, mate. Yeah. It's, it, it's funny. Like, do you think it's more, I mean, in a way, do you think it's more accessible for brands making creatives now or has it have the have the demands gone my guess would be even though like you can set that up that way the level of know-how and resource it takes going to create it's like very hard to do that in-house i would say yeah and it's the same with everything like what are you optimizing for most brands at this point they want to be hands off their marketing and their conceptualizing and their ideas and then, okay that's a great idea right go do it but they're not going to do it same, if we had this conversation about email, you tell me there's a really good, like, okay, you're doing loads of graphical emails and then you say, actually just send in like a really interesting worded thing about what happened at the weekend is a good email. Doesn't mean I'm gonna actually go into my office and do it because my list of things to do is quite long. And so is the brand owners when they have to think about marketing, customer, product. And then inside of marketing, they have to think about social, email, whatever else, CRO, inside of, Social, we have to think about video and photo. Inside a video, we have to think about PDC, UG, like, do you know what I mean? That's overwhelm. And that's why a brand comes to someone like us and we present the ideas and we present the concepts and they just green light them. And they say, yeah, that's it, go get it done. And they, just, they don't have to worry about it. It gets done. Yeah. But to your point, it's easy to do, but it's easy not to do. Mark Monson. Yeah, I get you either. I mean, for 2024, What's the what's the plan? A bit more you, this year, you 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 grew a lot. You tripled the team basically. Yeah. Um. From from when we spoke last, I would think we're roughly the same. And you've obviously had huge success with just dialing really in on the creative side of things. I mean, for twenty twenty four, do you have bigger plans? Any plans you can speak of a bit more? Or yeah, I mean, I'm quite an open book anyway. So like twenty twenty four, we're 
we well 2023 really we dialed in systems and everything because this was kind of like you said it was kind of new to just go all in and creative so i feel like we have them really sitting sweet but we want to almost like finesse it slightly so we have a beautiful internal dashboard that's like one of my big things to do this month i want to have a client facing dashboard i want to have a really really good relationship with the ads managers um and then potentially the future would be to bring the ads back in house so that we have that control again that's something we've been speaking about where it's like it's not hard to do it you know we could get an ads manager um but whenever you start to let's say extrapolate that out across lots of different accounts and they have all those micro problems okay my pixel's not firing okay my domain's not verified okay the these events aren't firing all of those things you know you're going to need a full support team just on the ad side which is actually what we got rid of so to bring that back it would be it would be amazing as a service because the client can just come to us and have that sorted but is it better to partner or is it better to uh to build that remains to be seen but other things that we're trying to do more of is you know, build that long-term partnership because we you know we're so lucky so blessed to have so many amazing clients that we've worked with who'll then come back to us when they do a product drop or you know they'll come back for Q4 they'll come mm. back for summer content but we're not there at least with all the, like with most of the brands we're not there on a monthly basis doing that you know uh, that iteration okay we want to look at the data and make more iterations of what we've just produced and then the month after that we want to make more concepts now we do have a few brands that we're doing that with and now that we've seen it work at scale or now that we've seen it work, we want to scale it out. Like I was saying to you before, we have a client who signed a 12-month contract for us to just manage all that, look at seeing what's working, produce more, and he just, he just trusts that we're handling it. So we want more of that in 2024. Um, big news is we're moving the studio. So after this, I'll take you a wee tour <laughs> next door to see what that looks like. Um, and yeah, maybe just get some more C-level employees in and... Maybe I will take a little step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you've you've probably you've probably earned it in many respects, and like it's like the growth you've had, like we were, we were chatting about today, like this like this year has been insane. Yeah, like absolutely insane, which is which is sick to see. It couldn't happen for a better person. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I that, that that brings up brings us up nicely. I mean, for a question I like asking, just because you obviously went away traveling, you you didn't. Uh, like you in, in a way you knew what you wanted to do in the micro there at that point maybe not so much in the macro but I'd like to ask let's say if you would have been 18 yeah let's say 18 year old Paul or even 20 or 21 year old Paul is sitting there what would be three bits of advice you'd maybe give him um, not so much to expedite the process but just to general, general life advice live a better life or maybe get to the places you wanted to get to a bit quicker yeah one piece of advice that I would give would be see your life in chapters, right? Because I think a lot of people fear the fact that they go from uni into a job and then that's what they're going to do until they retire. But I like to see my life in like five-year chapters. So, did you know, okay, school is one chapter. Once you're done, do the travel. Just get it done. Enjoy it when you're young and, you know, wild and free. Um get that chapter done then you want to build something go and build it but build like build yourself that's like a chapter real personal development chapter then go build your business um for me i want to maybe at this point like exit at some point maybe i do or maybe we just cash flow it 
But then the next chapter for me would maybe be like, maybe some investment, or there's a couple of big goals that I have, but I see them all as like little five year stints. You get quite a lot of five year stints <laughs> out of your life. So maybe five to seven year stints, see it like that, rather than just like go to school, enter the workplace or enter a business and that's me, do you know what I mean? You don't have to, it's not that much commitment. Quicker, um, quicker feedback loops there as well. Yeah, <laughs> big feedback loops. So that would be one. Um, I guess another piece of it, if I actually could go back in time, I would just say, get st- spend money on paid faster. Spend money, get money from wherever you can, credit card, get a fucking loan. Because back then, CPMs were so cheap. Like, we should have just come up with our offer and just rinsed Facebook for everything it had back then. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that would have been literally something I would have done. An infinite money glitch. Yeah. But like Gary Vee was screaming it at us and no one did it. Do you know what I mean? He was like, it's cheap now. Spend money on fucking paid ads. It's going to go away. And it, I mean, we're still running paid ads, but you know, you could probably have doubled your, your return if you'd spent it back then. Yeah, fuck. And then what would be the final one of the, the three? The third one's always a hard one to, yeah. to come out with. You're kind of clutching the throat there a wee bit. But. So it's advice on my 18 year old self. Yeah. I took a lot of risk when I was 18, but I think that's good. Um, help me. Feed me an, an, an example. Or I mean, no, fuck, if I were to, if I were to travel, I did. I would advise that, you know, get into business, entrepreneur. Like I did all those things. I had, a, I had side hustles from an early age, but if it's specifically me. Um, fuck, I'd, be, I'd be on the spot if I were thinking of that. As well, I mean, three things I'd say focus on skill acquisition over immediate cash would be one thing I would say to, to my younger self anyway, which is something he did. Um, probably just be a bit more, probably just be very transparent with people in general within the business, like just be very open and like let, pe- let people know how the business operates and like their upward mobility and stuff like that. Third would be just like understand some inherent paradoxes in life, which is like if you want to get energy, you give energy, if you want to get what you want in life, you give others what they want. And if you focus on development and like putting the head down and grafting over freedom, you will ironically get both. But if you focus on freedom, you'll ironically get neither. Yeah. That's probably the three things I would. The third one I would say then is I go seek out Connor Sunderland sooner. <laughs> He's a wild guy. And be his friend. Exactly. I fuck. Well, it's been, been, been fucking, been great, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Where can people find you as well um, on, online? Uh, Instagram mostly Paul.Belfast um, loves his hometown this man yeah. uh, loves his hometown this man yeah. I do love it at home and then Life Like Media on Instagram and then now I'm going to start pushing a lot more energy to Twitter because I think I could I just think money Twitter's mad <laughs> I don't want to start a whole big thing here right now at the end of this podcast but I do think money Twitter's a bit mad and I almost feel intimidated to even go in and try and say stuff but like I could be really focused on what we've built and just talk about what we've done to get here um, rather than like trying to drop hot takes every time. I don't know. Yeah. But so, yeah, follow me on Twitter and see if I end up doing that or not. It's pkennedy93 yeah. on Twitter. There we go. Yeah, Paul, thanks so much for coming on. It's been great learning from you over the last year. It's been really good. And yeah, we'll do one again soon. Yeah, Thank 100%. You. Thank you so much.